In this episode of the Neil Wilkins podcast, I'm joined by Roy Coughlin, who is a serial entrepreneur and the host of no less than six different podcasts. Welcome to the show, Roy. Thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate you having me on. Six podcasts. I mean, I, I struggle keeping one afloat. How do you manage with six? I suppose the main thing is I'm systemized. I systemize everything because I've come across a lot of people and they throw in the towel. They go, I can't do it. There's too much work because people probably don't realize you don't just turn up. You do research. You start preparing for the guests and making sure you've got decent conversation. Then you're editing and everything. And what I do is I make sure that I do it in batches and I just have good systems in place that allow me to do this. It was never planned. Hey, I want to do six podcasts. It was one is the awakening and that's kind of exposing fraud and corruption. That was always the goal, but it wasn't my first podcast. My first podcast, because I went to an event and it was like, what's your quest? And that was my kind of thing. Okay. I need to expose all the stuff that I know, but I hated public speaking. So when I came back, I joined Toastmasters and then at another event, they were teaching people how to podcast. I was like, ooh, I never even thought of that. You should listen to podcasts. So that was the first one, speaking podcast, helping people become better speakers. Then the meditation podcast, learn Polish, awakening eventually, <laughs> the crypto podcast, and the new one is the podfather. Because one of my clients, because I'm getting them on a load of shows, he says, you're the podfather. And I just said, ooh, I like that. So I created the logo that's like the godfather. And it's basically just short ones. And it's just helping people, little tips, kind of two, four minutes, just how to become better, grow their audience. Because I love podcasting. I love the way people get their message out. We know the media is corrupt. It's, you know, in BBC in the UK, RT in Ireland, CNN, all these, they're just regurgitating lies. And for me, I want people to stay in the game instead of throwing in the towel going, oh, this isn't working for me. So that's a really interesting kind of motivator, I guess. So I want to come on to the, uh, the the key kind of North Star podcast, and, and we'll talk about that uh, in, in a lot more detail in a moment. But, I, yeah, I'm really interested in this kind of motivation to keep information honest and, and real, because I think for a lot of us, certainly over you know recent years, we've been, yeah, I guess, tussling with what is a reliable source. And I think when we bring it back to, let's call it the people, there just feels, I mean, okay, there will be some people out there as vultures just trying to steal your attention and do things maybe not so um, wholesome with that attention. But I think for most of us where we have really good, strong intentions, we want to be sharing good stuff. The I think you're absolutely right. This whole idea of podcasting, getting into conversation on, you know, serious topics, light topics, it just feels that you can kind of get a sense really of, you know, the reality of what's going on in the world. I mean, do, do you find that you're kind of challenged in this way? Because, you know, once you kind of put yourself on, let's call it a pedestal, if you like, of thought leadership, okay, just to use a very generic phrase, do, do you find that there's an opportunity there to almost kind of get shot down? It feels like it's quite a precarious sort of place. I mean, is it safe to do that sort of thing? Or is it a little bit kind of dangerous? And you've got to be kind of quite robust. I don't think that you should worry. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. So, for example, I, I was surrounded with a lot of podcasters doing something sim similar, exposing a lot of the corruption and everything. And some of them got scared. And like one guy in Germany, another guy in Singapore, just the way things were changing with their governments and they felt they could get arrested for what they were doing. I never give them that power. They don't have that authority over me. So the minute you actually have that out there, you're allowing them to have control over you. So we were born free. I don't let them have control over me. Who are they to say? It's not to say that, you know, somebody that's actually teaching people how to do terrible things shouldn't be taken down because definitely it should. But I think it's it's the people should be able to vote on that and not a government coming in. I mean, I know that in the UK, they've arrested a lot of people for their social media and not bad things. They're just They're just telling the information that they don't want you to hear. So, like, there's another thing as well is like the mindset, because a lot of the times when you're researching for all this stuff, it can go dark. You can go deep down rabbit holes that you never thought even existed. And for me, I make sure I look at a lot of comedies and watch you know, just funny things. Like, I, I love UK comedians. 
you know, and and like I'd watch Jimmy Carr and say, and that puts you in a good mood. Where sometimes people are just researching, researching, researching. Their topic of conversation is what they've just researched. The household is full of that conversation. And I don't think that's good for anybody. So you have to be able to, you can go in, but make sure that you can step back out. And I think a lot of times people can't do that. And regarding kind of being attacked, I mean, I had the awakening on YouTube. It was removed. I asked what was wrong. And I know for a fact, 100%, the information I put out was true. It wasn't me winging it or anything, but I go against the norm. We had prior to recording, we were talking about Linktree. I said, I got kicked off Linktree. Three of my channels got kicked off Linktree because they didn't like it. They changed their terms and conditions. I wrote, hey, what did I do wrong? They can never tell you. So, and I have my personal YouTube channel, which is still existing, but I got two strikes. One was an 85-year-old Holocaust victim. They didn't like that. I mean, you would think, yeah, what would be wrong about that? And the other person was a person exposing the unions in the education system in the in the USA. And that's the same thing. That's been another system that's been infiltrated for probably 100 plus years. They didn't like that either. So when you see things like that, it kind of makes you go, oh, I'm, I'm actually on the right track. And instead of it kind of making me back off, like when I got removed from YouTube, I took a screenshot of that. And I shared it everywhere. And I was at 1%, the top 1% with the podcast at the time. And it jumped to the top half percent. And then I started growing my bit shoot. So now that's at 300,000 plus. So, you know, you just you just give it a different thing. And now I'm doing rumble as well, just, just in case. But there's no point in getting upset. Because I, one of my friends, he was actually on Spotify. And Mind Wars, Chris, Chris Rain is his name. We, we did a lot of shows together. And Spotify removed him. And he kept trying to get the RSS feed which is your unique link so that you could just move it. They'd engage in a conversation and then just stop. He never got it back. So he just kind of threw in the towel and said, yeah, not not doing this. And like when you listen to the likes of, say, Joe Rogan and stuff like that, like a lot of people think he's exposing stuff and he's everything. But a lot of it, there's a lot of controlled opposition out there and they're making, they're telling stories that they want people to believe. And that becomes the topic of conversation. You have to be very careful of what you listen to and what you, it doesn't mean that I haven't got it wrong. I mean, sometimes you, you, you listen to something and you, you do a bit of research and you, you fall for it. But as soon as something, if I got caught up, I put my hand up and I don't let the ego get in the way. Whereas I think even with what happened in the last three years, people kind of realize, Hey, maybe I was duped but they will still fight their belief system. And I think it's the ego getting in the way that they don't want to put their hand up and go, I was wrong. People can't do that. I can do that every day of the week. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I have a thought process that was from 20 years ago and it's different today, that's great. I'm evolving. Mm, yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, when you kind of think of, the, I mean, the definition of science, let, let's kind of put some some other narrative around this, because definition of science is you have a, um, a hypothesis, you put it forward to the community, the community puts their feedback into it, um, some will support, some will be, you know, very, very negative towards it, or might challenge the view or whatever. And you come to some kind of consensus, evidence-based, data-driven, and then there's the reality. That is science. It's been science like that for you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. That's kind of how science works. Now, though, like you say, there is a narrative. It's a, uh, let's call it a mainstream narrative. So it is the, the broad approach. But there is no opportunity here to actually challenge legally and openly, is there? This isn't science, is it? There's something questionable. I won't say wrong. I'm not going to get this podcast banned, but, you know, it's something questionable. And I think, you know, I, I play a lot with the phrase mindful living, uh, just being mindful, not necessarily meditation or any particular um, sort of discipline, but just being aware, open and conscious of kind of what's going on and maybe challenging sometimes. It feels like this is your 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 route and your journey this thing about sort of challenging and you've used the word exposing it's it's an exciting journey but it is going to be fraught with hmm yeah dissent challenges do, do you find that when when you do this you're you're beginning to kind of work outside of what we might term an echo chamber because like you say if, if all you do is kind of you know the one sort of channel of, of challenging or you know that kind of an approach to life then you find that that is all you then think and as you say humor you know is a very healthy kind of 
counteract or counterbalance to that. Do, do you find that um, when you're doing these kinds of sort of pieces of research or having these sorts of conversations, that you do find as you go down the, the rabbit hole, it's very hard to kind of come back? So I think some people are quite nervous of that whole piece of, you know, oh, if I get into this, I'll never be able to escape and I'm going to get caught and then I'm going to be branded, let's call it conspiracy theorist. Um, and, and there's kind of almost a stigma against that. Do you find there is negativity from, say, family, friends or colleagues in, in doing this kind of work? Because it's so valuable and yet because it isn't mainstream, it can be branded, can't it? It can. But like with me, I never ram my opinions down someone's throat. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these people. They find out something and it's like my way or the highway. If I was having a conversation, sometimes I will start off by saying, I used to think that as well. That was my belief system until, and then I start giving a few little facts. And you just see the kind of, sometimes the light bulb goes on and you, you kind of change them. Not always, but I never do. Like I've got friends that believe totally have a totally different belief system. And we laugh about it. We joke about it. You know, like say, even chemtrails, things like that. You know, I, I'll say there's a freedom of information from the UK in that they're, they've agreed they're blocking that. And they don't believe that. They believe it's contra-trails. And same with, say, 5G. There's, there's loads of people go, not nah, as grand, but they don't have them in Russia, <laughs> you know, because they realize how dangerous they are. When they're in schools, they're on schools, they're on hospitals, they're on apartment buildings. And I've spoke to military experts that actually say that they are deadly. So, like, who are you going to believe? <laughs> Some, you know, someone. And th this is a, an important thing for those that go down researching. I don't use Google for I, I, Chrome. I, I'd use Brave because apparently it's better. And there's, there's a few different ones. But the question is important as well. Because if you ask the question, is, say, 5G safe? It will tell you it's safe because that's the question you've asked. So if you say, why is it dangerous? So sometimes reframe the question. And you can even just talk to people on both sides, but never attack. Like most people, unfortunately, you listen to radio shows, you listen to that, and it's always about aggression. That doesn't work. Nobody wants that. I don't want somebody, you know, same with religion. You know, like you meet someone that's into Krishna, you meet somebody that's, a, whatever their religion, they ram it down your throat. And that's, nobody wants that. Like, I really, I've got friends in all different religions, and I don't care. All I care about is you're a nice person. But don't be forcing your religion on me. And it's the same with belief systems, with, as they call it, conspiracy theory. And apparently, it was with the JFK that the CIA or FBI created that, because people were kind of putting two and two together. So they threw that out there. So that was orchestrated from the inside. And that's all you have to do. And I mean, if you look at the last three years, like, like I learned from an early stage, I'm not going to mention it because we don't want to, but the, the testing that was done was bought in 2017 and 18. And in the multi-millions that was being shipped around the world. What, how, how did they know that was going to be needed? And then the way the test was done was all wrong, everything. And when you just put these things together, you go, this doesn't make sense. And if you look at what's gone on, no, now they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, it was wrong. But yet they were pushing it. And there was people thinking that they had to take a certain thing. And all I say is, if you learn sovereignty, so all the things that I've done that I wasn't expecting, it was researching UCC common law sovereignty. And it was kind of realizing the power of your signature. Because when you're stopped by the police for something speeding or doing anything or any government institution of signing your name, you have to sign. And that's you consenting because that's the way they do it. And a lot of times you get the letter, it's the all capitals. And this isn't something that can be explained in, in, a, in a podcast, but it's something I would encourage everybody to do. I put a few episodes on it and they're actually, they're, they're probably the most popular. And it's because people are realizing, like, for example, if someone is, jay we don't have that in Ireland or the UK jaywalking. They do it in Poland, they do it in America. And I mean, if there's no car coming, we kind of use our brain. Why should I just stand like a fool for 10 minutes and just walk? And it's like, you can ask, who's the injured party? For a crime to exist, there must be an injured party. And just kind of knowing little things like that. And it's it's something I would just encourage everybody to do. Because if, if you're not happy with what's going on in the world, there's no point in complaining and moaning about it. 
Who's that helping? What can I do to make it better? And is one, don't live in fear. And two, kind of learn your own rights. Because, you know, we can see all these organizations, all the big organizations, even the one that you got out of the EU. I mean, I've exposed that a couple of years ago, like how they actually vote for things. They bring them into a secure room. This was an Irish MEP that was explaining this. He had a hidden camera. They have to go into the room accompanied by somebody. They're not allowed to record it. They're not allowed to take pictures. And this is for bills that they're voting on. So immediately, you know, that's corruption. There's something seriously wrong when it's done like that. And then people are thinking, oh, EU is the best thing since sliced bread. It's not. And every organization has been infiltrated. But like, I think at ground level, we can actually make change. And like a school, when you see something kind of, I mean, we see it happens in America first, and it kind of works its way across the pond. You know, you, there's some weird things going on. You know, they're, they're bringing in people dancing in front of the kids. It's like, why don't they put them to the old folks' home? They're the people that need entertainment, not children. But they don't do that because that doesn't fit their agenda. But if you're a parent and you allow that to happen, that's shame on you. You shouldn't allow that to happen. And if you start taking control and get rid of the people that are doing that and start everything at ground level, you can't expect we're going to vote for this person and that's going to make change. We're going to vote for that person. Because I know some people think, oh, Trump is going to be the savior. Some people say it's this person, that person. If you dig deep enough, you'll find them all. <laughs> They're all part of the thing. And it's like, I think it's, we have to find it within. And that's how we make the change. It's so empowering, isn't it? The way the way you describe that is if somebody feels something or they notice something or they uncover something, and as you say, at a ground level, we're not talking about necessarily for you know people listening to this to jump straight into this huge, great, you know, uncovering of you know global conspiracy or whatever. Um, it, this can ha happen at a very, very local level if you, if you want to do something in your own community or something like that and begin very, very small, very, very local. If if you feel that it's it's the right thing to do, then something like a podcast to begin the debate in an open kind of, let's call it free speech manner, it is so empowering for everybody, isn't it? You don't have to have necessarily lots of technical equipment, any particular kind of expertise. This is open to everybody, isn't it? The power of kind of, well, let's call it citizen reporting, or at least here what we're talking about, citizen conversation, because, you know, you and I have been doing this for quite some time now, but we don't necessarily have any kind of, say, formal qualifications to do this, do we? It's kind of evolved from, you know, experience, life experience, challenging, curiosity, looking to meet other individuals who are either going to challenge our view or share our view and discuss that. It is open, really, for everybody to do this, isn't it? It's so exciting in that regard. Absolutely. And I mean, we're not reading from the teleprompter writer. We're not reading what they're telling us. And most politicians, actually, they do. And, you know, they're just reading what and you can see it. And whereas with the podcasters, they're speaking from the heart. And I mean, I don't know, like I know you've over 400 episodes. And like I know for me, just from this journey, we'd get guests on. And uh, like there was actually two English people, uh, Don Lester. And, and it, what really makes ill was the book that they wrote. It was like over 700 pages. And I was like, they, they came on first. I, I read the book and I was like, this is fascinating. There was a lot of things I didn't know. And then I just, I get more books or I start digging deeper. So what I say to people, even when I'm saying, even now, like, don't believe what somebody's saying. That's the, that, that's a dangerous thing to do to just somebody says something because that's how they actually get power. Because they say something, they take, teach all their people to say something and then people assume it to be truth. That's not how it is. So what you do is start doing your own research and then what you find is you will get into circles or telegram groups or something and yeah obviously to some people will bombard you with messages and but you'll find a few you know they don't spread you know they do their homework they spend hours researching and when they share something you know it to be gospel these guys don't get it wrong so then you find the circles with that and then that's what i do i mean sometimes i'll just share something that i get you know it could be a few minutes i share it on the bit channel and you're just educating people and by doing that then somebody and there's times I put up something and somebody go, no, that's not wrong. Da, da, da. And I acknowledge that, you know, and it's it's because it, I can. You could sometimes things slip through the cracks. Sometimes they'll intentionally ban something because they know people assume it to be true when they ban it and it's orchestrated as well. So that's the kind of dirty tricks that they're doing because then it goes viral because people say, Oh, they banned this, but that was their plan originally. So you have to just just be open to everything. And 
I just don't don't take it to your heart. Just 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 relax and just like you know find like meditation. I mean, the reason I done the meditation podcast was I actually lost everything through uh, the financial crisis. So I lost my house, personal belongings. I was going to be making about five million, and I ended up being personal liable for five million euro. And through that, saw so much corruption, like bailiffs, you know, bribing people in the room bailiffs trying to work with valuers like and that was my kind of thing for exposing all this and this is something that goes on internationally this is something i've seen in the uk in ireland in the us so it's it's everywhere and when you see that it's like don't don't assume because they're a governing body they've got your best interests at heart you have to look after yourself same with medical don't assume the doctor. A lot of the time they're getting the kickbacks. There could be something that's 10 bucks or a natural remedy that will cure you, but they'll give you the pill, which has a couple of years later, you're getting the side effect and there's a knock-on effect. There's nobody's going to care about your health rather than you. I don't take anything. Nothing. Last, I maybe six years before I was last at a doctor. And I only last year had to do all tests because I was renewing my driving license. Everything was all good, but... Like, I, I make sure I take all natural vitamins, it's just everything. I'm watching the whole of iodine, zinc, and a doctor's never going to tell you that. Yeah, granted, if you get hit by a bus, you need a surgeon. You're not going to get them to do, you know, put energy healers over you. Yeah, that's not going to work. It's not that we don't need them. But unfortunately, a lot of them have been infiltrated and they're lighted. Or else they've just been brainwashed from day one. I remember we had your man Tom Cohn on, and he's very good. Like, he's exposed a lot of stuff. He's written a lot of books. But he was saying the day they started, they came around and gave the stethoscopes free to him. He didn't take it because he says that's an ethical bribe. They give him the bag of treats. So from day one, when they go into medical school, they're getting freebies. And then they're told this is how it works. And sometimes people don't, they don't have critical thinking and they just kind of trot down that path and they think they're doing the best for humanity. And if you trust that guy in the white coat, there are some brilliant doctors out there. There's some brilliant every position, but don't, don't give them your power. Same with the government. Don't give them your power. You take full control. Mm. How do you, how do you kind of, I guess, advise and um, sort of guide somebody who, um, you know, listens maybe to your podcast, is thinking about, you know, creating their own podcast. And yet when they listen to all of this information and they start to do the research, they start to consider both sides and it begins to cause them because they do take it on board. I think there was a really poignant little moment there. Um, so Roy, when you, when you described the bit, don't, don't take this stuff personally, don't take this stuff on, but almost to kind of view it and see it as, is, is it kind of like a social experiment that you're kind of viewing rather than really taking on board and um, sort of embody it? Because it feels that this could be really quite, I think for a lot of people, quite stressful Go, going into this kind of discovery. If it is a voyage of discovery, discovery if they smell a rat they go down this bunny hole and they think oh you know there's a load of stuff in here now i'm getting properly scared i was kind of i i heard that there was all this alternative kind of view on these things but it's mainstream so it's probably okay so i'll trust it but actually then as soon as they start uncovering stuff or start properly listening they start to then feel the anxiety of oh my goodness, maybe all of my belief systems are actually incorrect. Maybe I have been duped all this time. That is quite a disturbing, I think for a lot of people, quite a disturbing discovery, isn't it? How, how would you coach somebody in that regard? Because how would you sort of say it's okay to carry on and sort of distance yourself? How, how would you go about that? Well, I, I suppose you kind of have to check your own character first before you start going down this route. And it, it, it's not necessarily, it depends on the layers because you can do slight ones, you know, not too deep and just make sure you're comfortable with that. And even if you're curious, like if you have a podcast, create a podcast, start a podcast, you can get both sides of the fence on, let them have their conversation. And you're just kind of in the middle listening to both sides. And sometimes, you know, someone will give information that they it cannot, they can't get out of it. And you're like, okay, this, this makes total sense to me. And it's, like I, I found for me 
like just with my journey meditation helped it's not that i have to go in meditate for it but i'm like I, I think i got to a stage where i'm mindful mindful eating when i'm with my son i'm with my son i'm not trying to you know i'm not glued to my phone like and to make sure that you do that and that you can step back like very few people can you might think it's an easy thing to do and if you can't you have to be very careful like find things that make you happy if it could be listening to the music it could be just turning on something that pump music that you loved even in, in your 20s and makes you dance do that cooking i love cooking i'm totally present when i'm cooking but what i have seen i've seen so many people and they can't they can't do that and you have to be careful it's hard to tell people oh you can do this because not everybody will embrace meditation or mindfulness that's that's just not the character they are that's not how they go and they think i am this way like for example I was extremely shy, extremely. And I told myself that story. I'm shy. I don't like public speaking. I hate, even when I was working in Ireland for a contractor, I'd be sitting at the table with the architect, the builder, the client, and my voice would go. I was terrified. After that event, I went to watch your quest. I came back. I said, I need to be a good speaker because to get my message out. And I ended up just going from terrified to winning competitions, doing an open mic, comedy, open TEDx, getting into the final of five countries, becoming distinguished Toastmaster in three years. And then I said, what other stories have I told myself? Because a lot of times people say, I am this, so I am this for the rest of my life. So we have to kind of question everything with ourselves. Why have I got this belief system? You know, like a lot of people get road rage. I don't get road rage. I don't get angry. It's like, I mean, yeah, there's the odd idiot that'll crush you and you know they're just, you know, elbow the car and they're trying to show off. But the reality is you don't know what's going on. Somebody said they might have just lost their job. They could be just being told that they've got a terminal disease. They could have a child, you know, with autism. and You just don't know. And you beeping, getting aggressive could make them think and they could crash further down the line. And I'm always give compassion. And I think it's the same with when you're researching this as well. Have compassion. Don't be aggressive. There will be people that will think you're not job. They will. They just think, oh, you look, this is this. And don't take it on board. Like even, I mean, you probably, like you, your, your, your podcast isn't as controversial as mine. Some of the comments are terrible. Even the Polish ones, like people abusing Polish people. I just remove it. I never get upset about it. Because what happens is, and this could be in any social media, whatever business you're in, or anything, you'll have haters. If you don't have haters, you're not you're not trying hard enough. There's always going to be haters. There's, there's people out there, you know, I call them Billy Nomads. They've got no friends. They're sitting in the room. They just want to go out and abuse people. And if you give them the energy, they have plenty of time to keep that back and forth. So you do two things. You remove it, you report it, or just leave it. And you find your followers will be engaging with it. If it's terrible, you have to remove it. You have to report it if they're being... But if they're just nothing too harsh. But what happens is most people... They put their energy into that 1% or 5% of comments and they think about that all the time. I've heard of somebody, they had a massive following and they threw in the towel because they, they couldn't take the abuse. And it's like, don't give them that. Don't give them that. That you just, like, if you research, I mean, there's times I see terrible messages. I said, what's going on here? You check their Facebook. You know, there's like 20 friends. They don't have their own picture up. There's always people that are hiding. You rarely see somebody that's abusive that you see with the family and everything. They look normal. They don't. They're not normal because that's why they do it. But if you start engaging in a conversation, you've known just put your energy into that instead of whatever mission that you have. Because when you have a good mission, that becomes your life. You just become, you love what you do and don't give them the energy. Just delete, report, or just ignore yeah, that's so, such wise advice. And I think for a lot of people um, listening to this, they're either business owners, marketers, entrepreneurs um, in, in, in my audience here. Um, they'll probably be thinking at this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but um, I think you'll probably be thinking, I'm really quite up for this because it feels like I can actually share my voice. It might be my brand. It might be my passion. It might be just my story. And I'm going to weave that into the marketing for my business. And uh, maybe it's you're building a personal brand. Maybe you're looking to, you know, move out of the corporate into coaching, for example. And I've heard uh, feedback from quite a few people doing that right now. So I, I know that is true. Um, and if they're doing that, um, Roy, what would you kind of sort of suggest that 
that they begin with? Because obviously you've got, you know, six podcasts. I mean, you're pretty prolific in terms of the number of episodes uh, that you have. Some of these are you know, clearly passion projects for you. Some are, I'm guessing, going to be a little bit more of a sort of a commercial spin. Um, where would somebody begin? Do, do you begin with the passion project to kind of get a, a following to kind of almost learn the, the tools of the trade and then take it professional? Or do you do it the other way around? Do you kind of, you know, build the professional podcast brand and then think, right, now I've got an audience. Now I can start to share my passion. Is there kind of one right way to do this? There's not really. I mean, both. What you said, both can be done. Like, so, for example, if you've got a skill set, you can actually be sharing your skill set and at the same time attracting customers without being too aggressive. And it can be organic. And if you do your marketing right and start building things and getting into the, the right groups, they'll actually come to you. And the other one is, I mean, I never did this to monetize. It was always just kind of the speaking was I wanted people to become to kind of do what I've done. And like there's so many people out there that are trying to change the world. Like we don't hear these things. There's, there's thousands, probably millions of people trying to create something to make the world a better place. But a lot of them can't speak in public. And they won't get the following or they won't get the message across. So for me, it's like it was kind of get your speaking skills so that you can get it across. If you're creating the podcast, if you, everyone has some sort of skill, no matter what it is, cooking, anything, comedy, you can create the podcast with that and offer your services. So from the start, you can actually do it. A lot of people think I need to. Be, I didn't do it that way. I just built it. And then I was like, hey, this is costing me money. This is actually, you know, you start paying for Calendly, Zoom and all these other things. It starts building up. So... And how I actually started getting into the, like, the coaching is there was so many people I was helping. So when I was doing the speeches, I was talking about setting up a podcast. So loads of people started because of me. But then people were re reaching right barely norm. And it was like, yeah, I'll give you a thumbs up if you uh, help me start a podcast. And I was like, hmm? <laughs> you know, like it's different when you have a good friend. You want to help them. And, so you, you know, somebody that looks after you when you need it, you, there's no problem there. But there were so many people. And I just thought, no, nah, they're not appreciating my time. So that's why I actually started saying, OK, no, I have this service. And it, it got rid of a lot of tire kickers. But then plenty of people then decided, oh, great. Yeah, this is this is good for me. And like there's a lot of options. Like there's probably hundreds of different ways to earn but like the sponsorships, like you can have your web page and you can have sponsors come in and it can help. Or sometimes people charge. I'm, I'm not into that. Like, you know, there's people like, and that's something to be aware of as well. Because sometimes if people are pr promoting a book and doing the tracks, there's people that are claiming that they've got millions of views and they've got this social media. So with my clients, I, I just know how to research and check things. And there's sometimes there's people, you know, they're charging like 350, 500 bucks for getting on a show, claiming, hey, I've got an audience of 6 million. So people in their head are kind of thinking, this is going out to 6 million. I'm going to, I only need 0.1% and I'm going to make a fortune. And if you actually do the research, the person, like one in particular, I'm not going to name him, but basically he had made his, his views on product, doing products previously. And that's where his numbers were. But if you look at his podcast, they're like 10, 20. And yet he's trying to make it. And there's a lot of them doing that. So if if you're kind of doing the podcast tour, just do your own research as well. That And like there's some that they'll ask for. Like I have one jump the queue. I give that. But if you don't, it's, it's no problem. And it just means people go first. And it's just, you know, I charge 100 bucks for that. But people take it. So that's, that's, that's money that I can put into the marketing. And there's also like, it's kind of ads, placement ads. So it's usually kind of, you know, one per thousand and it can only bear for kind of 10 bucks to 40 bucks. But I don't do that because I don't think the people that are doing it, I mean, yeah, do you want McDonald's or Red Bull or whoever to be your sponsor on your thing? It kind of, especially for me, I'm kind of fighting all these things. So I don't want that. And two, it's just, it's a lot of work doing the placement, depending on what platform you're using. It's a lot better to work with somebody. So you can get somebody that actually understands what you're doing. And then you just mention them and promote. And that's a way of actually making uh, some money. So there's a few ways of doing it. You can do your own services or just others, or just do it as a passion project. If you're not happy with something in the world, and you know you can actually make a change through your skill set, 
just do it like that. And you might have your business and you could say, I'm only recording at the weekend. That's okay as well. I, I want to ask you a question, Roy, because this this is one I think because in terms of your podcast, they are different, I think, to a lot of people listening to this who might have a, let's call it a professional podcast, not saying yours aren't professional, they're super professional and really, really interesting um, in terms of the content. But in terms of, like, say, a professional brand, so they've created a business, it might be a medium-sized organization, uh, they have a lot of employees, they've got brand guidelines, they have to kind of stay within the rules, let's say, that's what I'm meaning by professional. Um and so they are kind of restricted in what they do, but they view social media as the so mainstream social media as the the kind of the main fuel or the main channel to promote their podcast. Now, the reason I'm asking you this question, Roy, is because obviously you've been banned, you've been pushed away from some of these kind of mainstream media. What what is your view in terms of using socials, social networks for everything from TikTok, Instagram to LinkedIn? to promote a podcast um, and it's ir irrespective of the topic of the podcast do, do you feel that social media is almost like, like this necessary evil or can it be done without using socials so one thing that i ask most of my listeners especially on the speaking podcast is what's their kind of go-to for social media because there's always something new and i like to be ahead of the curve i mean i was on linkedin about 15 years ago i always get my name on most of the stuff i'm always ahead of the nobody likes it do you like it it's like it's work and it's mm -hmm. like you think oh i'm on linkedin it's a business community that's good for you with the marketing and everything yeah i'll stay there but then you find okay maybe i should be on facebook as well and then instagram and before you know it you're trying to be on and TikTok, and do it all work but the thing is, they don't work if you're actually kind of just blasting. Like, I stopped doing, I mean, I, I have the Instagram, but I don't build it. No, I have a team that are putting up the shorts on it. But it just felt, no, this isn't serving me. TikTok, I had, or not TikTok, uh, in, uh, Twitter, I had something like 7,500 followers on that at one stage. And I was like, I'm sure that I did that with uh, Hootdesk or one of these platforms where it sets it up and it's like a follow for a follow. And I was like, what good is that? So I unfollowed everybody thinking what will happen. And it dropped about 4,000. And there's very few engagement. The only thing is I will tag, especially on the crypto for some reason, that's that's one that really works. They repost it or share it, and then they get massive traction from it. But the only reason I use Twitter is it's easy. If I'm on YouTube or BitChute, it's just a button, pressed, share, boom, boom, boom. With Facebook, I've I've put up a, a video on my Podfather one that's actually telling you how to get rid of the sponsors, which they don't like me for doing that, but I think everyone should do that. It's basically, no, if you look at your Facebook page before, you would see me, you see me, my child, you see everything, and we connect, and then you see a bit of my business stuff and everything, but you know what I'm doing, and now you, don't, you probably don't see me anymore. And it's like, that's for everybody, because I research, when I'm researching people, you would see previous stuff that the views were massive. And then now it's like one or two if you're lucky. And they're just bombarding us with advertisements. So I've taken that out. And then I've learned that by putting up a video, it doesn't really get much traction because they don't want you going to YouTube. But you can put up a picture and have a comment of your YouTube video. It's a bit of work and sometimes you forget about doing it, but that works. And also, like a lot of times people with, say, Facebook, they just kind of blast it out there or they just post it and say, like, I'll give an example, my Polish podcast. I am in a 50-odd groups, Polish in Warsaw, foreigners in Warsaw, Polish in Chicago, Polish in New York, Polish in the UK. <laughs> They're people that are actually interested in what I do because a lot of the times when the Polish moved abroad, they married the locals. So then they're trying to get them to learn the language or their children. So when they go back, meet the grandparents or friends or whatever, they have a bit. And that's got millions of views, both audio and video. Like it's two million plus. And it's because I'm intentional about doing it. I create the shorts and put it and it helps. It's work. Like, so no matter what you're doing, don't think it's easy. Like at one stage with LinkedIn, I used to just, just share it and then got a few specialists on like you did because i was listening to one of your shows you the linkedin guy as well and it's like 
you have to have the title or you have to write something about it because otherwise it doesn't really show up. People don't see it. And even at that, it's hit and miss. I mean, I, I look at it and I'm like, and same with the videos, like the YouTube videos, because I have my personal channel. Someone will get, you know, 4,000, 5,000. Others will get three. And I, I use the keywords. I use the title. And I've even, like, for example, I used to always, all my podcasts, I'd have number, episode number 300 nod, the name of the title, and then the person. And basically by talking to somebody at one stage, it was like, when you're doing a search, nobody's typing in the hashtag. You're actually hurting yourself. So straight away, okay, I'll change that. So now I have bracket. I have it at the end. Has it helped? Maybe. I watch everything. I have an Excel sheet, and I'm just tracking every single thing. So getting back to the question with social media, you're not going to grow. I mean, if you have your own email list and they're relevant to what you're doing, can you do it? Perhaps. But how did you get your email list? They didn't just come out of the sky. You had to be posting it on social media or creating a blog or something like that. So I don't think anybody wants to be doing it. Like, I don't want to be on 10 things because you flick through it. And before you know it, then you get just, ooh, and <laughs> you go down a rabbit hole. And you don't want to be doing that because so... One, don't let the phone control you or the computer. That if you have to do it, try to be systemized in it. Okay, I'm going to do 30 minutes or when you post. So, for example, when I'm putting my Polish one, I, I have them scheduled to go out a minute past midnight. And then the day, like during the day, then I'm just copying everything and pasting it on Rumble, BitChute, and YouTube, and then posting it and then just sharing it and sharing it to the groups. So I have a system that's that's doing it. So if you can systemize it, it makes it better. But if you start going down the rabbit hole and then just start, especially when you're researching things, because you'll find more and more. And that's the other thing as well, actually, that I've learned is why do I see something and I have a different belief to somebody that has a totally different belief? Because the algorithms are pushing what they know I like. And it's I'm seeing that, whereas other people are seeing what they believe is tr to be true. And neither could be true. <laughs> they could be totally even different. Mm. So it feels then that the guidance really is is aim and well certainly initially for quality over quantity. Don't go kind of chasing the numbers. Just learn the community, find out where they are. I think that was really really wise advice. And yeah, it kind of almost gives that sense of yeah, I'm doing the right thing. And I guess if you've got the confidence then with the topics, the subject matter, the guests, or the message that you've got, is that you can actually have the confidence that as long as I stick with this, as long as I'm pretty relentless and I've got my system that you described there and I'm monitoring it, continuously learning, the the success in whatever way you'd want to manage it will come. Feels like there's a bit of stoicism here. You've got to kind of be in this for the long game because if you try and sort of break this thing overnight, it well, it just isn't going to work, is it? How long would you say that, I mean, this might be an impossible question to answer, but how long would you say people would, from your experience, need to kind of, I guess, try something before they can sort of feel that actually this is now an established podcast? Is there a kind of a sense of, is it, is it weeks, months, years? How long would you say? I, I encourage people do this for a year and you'll see how it's going. And, you know, regarding numbers, I remember when I had the speaking podcast, I think it was around three weeks in, I was at 90 odd. And I was like in a Toastmaster meeting, did you, did you download it yet? Did you play it? Because at that stage, that's six years ago, I even had to tell people what a podcast was. It's, it's hard to believe, but basically at the start, people didn't even know. A lot of people didn't know what a podcast was. Thankfully, you don't have to do that now. But what I say is, a lot of times people are chasing the numbers and they're looking at the likes of Jay Shetty, Rogan and all that and they see the millions and they think you have to have the millions. What I've always said is, if this conversation changed one person's life for the better, would you have the conversation? And I think you would as well as me. Yeah. The other thing is, you look at the numbers, right? Say you get 10. You're just getting 10 per episode. And then you get one extra, it's 11. So you're, you're, eventually you're up to 20. And people go, I'm only getting 20 views. If you went into a room and 20 people turned up to listen to you speak, you would be happy. And would you come back next week if most of them were there? Maybe two changed. You would. But for some reason, we look at the statistics on the podcast and we think. And so eventually, I remember like when I got to like, it was a kind of thousand. I remember when I hit a million combined with a few of them, like it was like, it stopped becoming a thing. It's not that I don't track it. And I, I don't want them to go up because I'm constantly trying to go, okay, how do I increase this? What do I do? Why, why is this done? Why is the averages down? I'm watching it. But at the same time, it doesn't, you know, 
doesn't define me. It's not like, what's my motivator? I know people are listening to it. And can you trust the statistics as well? With Spotify, honestly, I don't think you can. I, I, I think it's it's one, I'm fairly sure they're not giving the right statistics, but it goes up in video. It's free. And like, I think you have, I mean, that was my kind of option. You have, a, do you have a competitive advantage because Spotify is as big as kind of Apple and I like like the, the podcasts I listen to, like Patrick Bet David. I watch them. I like looking at them. And I watch it on the phone. And that's the way, it, you know, whether I'm doing something as, as well, you know, I can just look at it and go, okay, this is decent. And I think it's nice that I, I put my uh, podcast out in that. Except for the Polish one. The Polish one, I, I use Podbean. And that's got totally different systems as well. Like it allows you to go to Amazon. Um uh, one of the television programs, Samsung or something like that. You know, it does all different stuff and plenty of ways of sharing it. So even sometimes people are going, what's the platform I should use? I mean, I created a, a sheet on it and I was saying, okay, does this, it's like buying a car. Which car is the one I should buy? All I say is look at them all. And sometimes like BuzzFeed, a lot of people are kind of on that and I know they claim it to be great, but like they have a little thing that, that I found was a bit sneaky. It's like you get two hours a month free, but it disappears after 90 days. And most people don't see that little print. And I was like, mm. and then I see the websites that they do. So you can create websites cheap enough as well. There's some platforms for that. So what I would say is watch everything. Like when I started off, the quality, the sound, I cringe at it. I the Lighting and everything. No, I've got the, the light on the camera. I've got an LED light there, a ring light there and everything. And make sure that, you know, you, you can see me. Maybe you shouldn't. It's probably better if there was no lighting. But it's like you build as you go along. You start, you know, the green screen. I mean, like I, I told you there, like, because uh, if we were on a different platform, like say Zoom, I, I'd use the green screen and I'd have my logos and stuff like that in my podcast. But when I don't, because I do a lot of lives, so I put the throw over it. And it, it just looks, you know, it looks like a wall, but it's not a wall. It's just a throw over my green screen. And these are things that you build as you go along. Because sometimes just people, sometimes they're like perfectionists and they try to get everything right. But just start. <laughs> just start. There's, there's a lot of information out there that you can just, okay, go. And sometimes people, they create a podcast and then they realize this isn't actually what I wanted. And they just, they either rebrand it or they just, Throw the plug plug in for that, and then they start a new one, and that's okay as well. But the main thing is just just get going. And like you, you've obviously had a lot of conversations with people, and you you build relationships, and then you start learning things that you never would have learned only that a certain guest has been on your show. So even for that alone, it's worth having a podcast. I would certainly echo that one. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, Roy. I mean, that's, for me, one of the things that really kind of stimulates it for me on my journey. Um, am I looking to monetize it? Not consciously, no. If it does, great. But if it doesn't, hey, these kinds of conversations are just amazing. What would I rather be doing, you know, posting on social media or having these kinds of conversations? Well, it's 100% in, in this um, this category. So it's really, yeah, absolutely. It's about the journey and you've got to love it. But when you start, you realize that actually, if it is for you, you, you know very quickly that you're in the right place. Is, it, is there a length of, of podcast episode that you've found really works? Is there kind of almost this sweet spot? Because again, it's one of these things that if you research it or Google it, you get a whole host of different answers. And I'm just really interested for somebody who has, you know, a, a lot of podcasts and a huge number of episodes, you know, across a long period of time. Have you seen a pattern for almost that sweet spot of episode length? It's something that a lot of people are trying to realize what's the sweet spot. And so my Polish one is five to 10 minutes. So that works. My awakening, sometimes we do a live, that's two hours. And I watch the analytics and I say, if it's a decent conversation, they stay in there. You'll always have a drop off rate, at, you know, some, but they stay there. With the speaking, I was doing it that I was trying to get it to the half hour. But if you're having a fantastic conversation, you don't want, like, just say if you had this at 30 minutes and you were enjoying the conversation, you go, well, that's enough. Good luck. I have seen people do that. That's their thing, 30 minutes, and they end it. And there's times you're listening to it and you're going, this was brilliant. Why did they end it so fast? So, like, you can maybe aim for half an hour, but if it's decent, go to the hour. And if it's even bad, like, I don't think there's a speech. I think the most important thing is to have decent conversations, which in turn is the preparation as well. Not just, talk. I mean, I've, I've been on shows. I've been on one show 
And the guy, like, he spoke in front of, like, 10,000 people. Like, a, a big guy, big guy. What do we say we're talking about again? That's that's how it started off. Uh, just about to record, like. But thankfully, I had done the research as well. So even when I'm going on a show, I'm listening to the shows before. I, I want to know what's the kind of style. How does he do it? Because I went on one show, and it was like a trivia quiz. And he was just asking me quiz like, questions at the start for the first part of it. And it was like... Like I got maybe two or three right. It was so hard. But anybody that I asked, they didn't know the answers either. It was just, but at the same time, it was different. But I kind of was expecting it. But if I just turned up, I'd be like, what's going on here? So I think it's on both sides. Whether you're the guest or you're the host, we both have to bring something to the table. And when both people do that, you've got a better conversation, which at the end of the day, you can do so much marketing. Does it help? Absolutely. But what's the one thing that's going to make the listener come back next week? or even perhaps share with a friend or a family member or whatever, is a decent conversation. And people forget that. They, they spend too much time, you know, just marketing, marketing, marketing. And, like, I mean, we've we've done live shows with people. And as soon as it's, like, they come on just before your goal, and then they're gone. They're just, you end, and they're like, they don't even say goodbye or just have a little chit-chat beforehand. And, you know, if if you do that to somebody, like, when you engage with somebody, and they're happy to share it, like, when, when, like, I, I give an example. When somebody that you have had an interview with comments, shares it, reposts it, I bet you've got more energy to do the same and you make sure you give it energy than the person that doesn't even acknowledge when you send them the links and say, hey, it's just been released, and they don't even reply and say thank you. They say, so they're actually hurting themselves. So this is a two-way thing. And whether you're guesting or you're the host, I think both have to respect each other, which in turn allows it to grow and that's one of the key ingredients yeah yeah yes i mean what, what a wonderful world that would be literally there's a song about that isn't it but what a wonderful world that would be if you know that just played out across all of the podcast subjects that i know you're very passionate about but also yeah just this whole human interaction thing be it podcasting social media face to face in the real world whatever that kind of mutual respect that, hey, your time's as valuable as my time. Let's make sure we get the best value from it. And if we're enjoying the conversation, we'll keep it going. If we're not, well, we'll just agree to kind of maybe park it there for now. I mean, what a wonderful world, literally, that would be. Well, we, we can only just hope that we're setting a good example, can't we, Roy? At least our intentions are good. People might like our podcast. They might disagree with us or whatever. But at least if we're coming from the heart, coming from a, a good place, which I can totally, totally understand and sense that you are. I mean, everything that you've described there is coming from a place of curiosity and, and authenticity. And it is so, so refreshing. And I want to point people in your direction, Roy, because I think, you know, there will be people people thinking, Neil, you have to tell us where Roy's podcasts are because I want to go and listen. Um, so it's bio.link slash podcaster. Is that correct? Absolutely. You'll find everything there. All my six podcasts and the coaching, the whole, and anything else I'm doing, you'll find everything there. Great stuff. So I recommend everybody go there now, bio.link slash podcaster, and you can keep in touch with Roy and all his work and all his incredible guests. And some of these topics are going to amaze you. Trust me, uh, you need to go and have a listen. So Roy, it's just been an absolute pleasure today. Really enjoyed this. And I've uh, picked up a few little tips of things for my podcast. I'm now going to go away and explore. And I'm going to look at those Spotify numbers as well, because I have a question mark too against them. But I'm going to go and explore a little bit deeper. It's been a pleasure, Roy. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And what I would just say to the listeners to make sure you go in and you give Neil a five-star rating and a review. And basically, a lot of times people say on Spotify, I don't know what to do. Just three little dots. You can't give a comment on Spotify, but you can give a five-star rating. It helps. It puts it up at the algorithm more to hear it. On Apple, you give five-star and a nice comment. And which episode you liked or whatever, or whatever reason. We see it, we love it, and it makes a massive difference, which in turn, more people will see it. It gets them up the charts. So please do that for, for me. Wonderful. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a message from my sponsor, Roy Conklin. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. No, thank you, Roy. That's, that's a really good point. And I must admit, I always forget to do that and do that little shameless plug at the end, which is please help us all because we're doing this out of the love of our hearts. And we'd, we'd love to kind of share the word even more broadly. So thank you, Roy, for that reminder. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. We'll catch up again soon.